Hello, my lovely wannabe entrepreneurs. What's up? Welcome to another wannabe entrepreneur podcast. My name is Tiago, and it's now Saturday, 2 a.m. or Sunday, I guess. And I've been really, I'm, I'm really, really tired. And also, like, maybe one of the reasons why I've been uh, slacking off on the day when I actually should release this podcast, which is Wednesday, is because, like, a lot of things have been happening in my life, uh, also my personal life. We are moving to a different flat. And if you have moved before, you know that it's so stressful. And when I looked at our flat at first, and granted, it's not even the first time we moved. We moved already a couple of times. But I thought, okay, you know, it's we don't have that much stuff. We can just, like, pack everything real quick. And in a couple of hours, we're done. We just get a van and take everything to the new flat. But... That's not true at all. We have so much crap. It's crazy. Like, I really, really contemplate the possibility to live a more minimalist lifestyle because, yeah, there's so much stuff that I have hanging around that I just don't use. And, yeah, it just drains all my energy. You know, I'm used to just being on, on my laptop. So, like, doing all these movements, like, every day and moving around and thinking how to structure, like, the operational side of things is something that I'm not used to that, so I get super dry, tired, like, just drains all my energy. That plus, you know, pot squeeze and going on holiday soon. Yeah, there's so much to prepare. I'm going to another sailing holidays, you know. If you know me, you know that I, I've been doing the, this, like, every year now. And this also, of course, requires a lot of planning because I'm the skipper. I'm going to take the boat. So yeah, a lot of stuff going on. So I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, at least you can count on one episode every week, which is, I guess, uh, really cool. We are more than 300 episodes. And this is really cool. Today, I want to celebrate with you a huge milestone for uh, Joe and I, for you know, Pod Squeeze, which was we finally created our company. Yes, uh, it's the company is not called Pod Squeeze, by the way. Pod Squeeze is kind of the trademark. Uh, the company is called User Quest. I know, it's not the most amazing name. It's also not that bad either. I'll explain why we picked this name. But yeah, so today that's the topic of this episode. I want to explain to you the whole process. How to set up a company, more specifically in Portugal or Europe. But I guess, you know, a lot of these things, the things that I'll talk about are transferable to whatever you are. Hopefully it's a bit easier in the country where you live. Uh, because Portugal, there's a lot of bureaucracy, but I want to like tell you the whole story because it's been more than two months on the making, and we have been learning a lot about like setting up companies, and also like this kind of changed the way I see business. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting episode, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm feeling really happy to finally be able to tell the story to you. Because, yeah, again, it's been like two months doing this. And it was at some point I thought we would probably just sell the business before creating the company. So, yeah, uh, I think it's going to be really interesting. And, uh, yeah, let's let's just get started. So, first of all, I want to say that. So, as you know, PodSquiz is six months old, half a year now. And uh, the reason why it took us so long to, like, create a proper company was because, first of all, we're not, um, we're not expecting PodSquiz to grow so fast. And second is because we were using this kind of uh, legal regime of being a solo entrepreneur. So in Portugal, you can either set up a company, a corporate, or you can be a single entrepreneur. And you have like a more simplified taxes if you do it like that. But 
this model doesn't work when your company scales to like you know multiple clients so that's why we decided to do the shift and when i when i first started like it's it's my first company as well, uh, João's first company. So we were clueless. We had no idea about like taxes and setting everything up. And to be honest, I, it's been so long ago that I don't even remember where it started. I believe it started with finding an accountant. So basically here in Portugal, if you have a corporation, it's mandatory to have uh, an accountant. An accountant is someone that takes care of uh, your bookkeeping, and your taxes and make sure that you're paying everything uh, your uh, state and your country wants you to pay. So that that's basically where the frustration started, like how to find an accountant. So I don't know, Jean and I were expecting that we would find a person or a team that would just guide us through the whole process and explain everything to us. But oh boy, were we wrong. So first we started with finding one accountant and we started to kind of calculate, okay, how much taxes are we going to pay now? Because, you know, it's a corporate. And like there was no proper answer. Um, the, all the accountants, and we spoke with three different accountants and still we, until we basically decided to, to keep one and, and stay with, with one. Uh, they, I don't know, it, it really felt that we always had to pull all the answers out of them. And we kind of expect that they would just sit down and explain the whole process to us. But no, they, to be honest, like a lot of them were clueless about uh, working with a SaaS, you know, a software as a service like we are. Uh, they mostly work with companies here in Portugal, you know, like your, I don't know, coffee shops and more physical companies. So no, like online. So it was really hard to explain to them that we didn't have a lot of expenses. You know, it's an online business. Everything is we have our servers, but of course we have our API providers and so on, but we have like 85% um, profit margins. And the way the taxes are structured, you need expenses because you do not pay taxes on the expenses, at least here in Portugal. So yeah, all the accountants that we talked with, they were basically trying to apply the same formula, the same formula that they apply to you know a coffee shop they're trying to apply to us but it didn't work for us because that meant that we would need to pay i don't know more than 60 percent taxes which is crazy if you think about it think about how hard it is to you know build a company it's been 10 years then that you and i basically started this whole like entrepreneurship of course not with pot squeeze but but yeah we finally made it we finally got something working out and there was like a lot of sacrifice. I mean, if you are if you've been listening to this podcast, you know, like I sacrificed a lot. There was a lot of risk. I, I left my job and everything. And yeah, finally we have something that is working and suddenly the state comes like, yeah, 60% is ours. It's crazy. It's it's really, really absurd. So yeah, we, we since we couldn't get this information from our accountants, like how could we reduce our taxes? We basically re like started researching and researching and we tried to talk with a lot of people. We tried to, like, we used a lot of GPT, to be honest. GPT was, I don't know, a huge help for us because it was our personal accountant, our personal lawyer, everything. Um, so, like, a lot of GPT, a lot of researching. And surprisingly, also a lot of unwanted opinions. Every time I would go and, and complain about the whole process of setting up a company or, or even maybe like asking for some suggestions, people on Twitter would come to me and 
I don't know, they always gave advice in a way that it, everything seemed so simple according to them. They'll be like, what? Just whatever, use Stripe Atlas, you know, just do the company in Estonia, just three clicks and or just go to Singapore. So that was really frustrating because I don't know, for Joan and I again, we were uh, when we first like contemplated the idea of creating a company in Portugal and we saw how many how much taxes we would need to pay, we thought, okay, maybe there are other options. And then everyone around me, and when I tell you everyone's like literally people from I don't know, all walks of life like my friends, people from Twitter, from different countries, everyone, they was like, yeah, it's super simple. It's super simple. You just go to Singapore, just go to Dubai. Uh, and I don't know, I felt that was dumb. I felt that, okay, if they are saying that it's simple, why is like, first of all, why are like our accountants not saying this to us? And second, like why it seems that it's not this easy for us, you know? Every time we would try to follow one of these ideas, we would find a lot of constraints. Let's let's. I'll give you an example. Singapore, right? Um, actually, I have a friend with a company in Singapore, but a lot of people was just like, just go to Singapore because I don't. You just pay much uh, lower taxes and everything is so much simpler. And then, of course, we we decided to investigate that. And there are a bunch of companies in Singapore where they will basically do the whole process for you. And we're like investigating on that and then suddenly we realize that you actually need, like, one of the stakeholders of the company needs to be in Singapore, needs to live in Singapore. But, like, then Joe and I thought, like, of course, we don't want to move to Singapore, we want to live in Portugal. So these companies, what they do is that they will assign a chairman, like a person that will actually own legally one part of your company. And, of course, that they they won't do anything. They 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 cannot take any money, whatever. I, to be honest, we didn't... Uh, fully understood how that process would work, but that was scary. That was super scary. That That's very dodgy, right? Like, you have your own company, and then there's a person that also, like, is part of this company just because you want to put your company in Singapore. So, yeah, we discarded this idea because we're just not comfortable with that. So then the other option was, oh, actually, it was Madeira. Madeira is an island here in Portugal, and it's kind of, um, it's not an offshore, but, you know, that's something that we also, this, you know, fiscal paradise, it's it's a very subtle line to cross because uh, Madeira can be sometimes considered to be a fiscal paradise. Fiscal paradise is where you basically go to avoid paying taxes or to pay really, really low taxes. And you somehow scam the your country so that they believe that I don't know, in you are living there, for instance. So a lot of companies they are headquartered or they are based in these fiscal paradises. Madeira is kind of a fiscal paradise, uh, or it can be one, but uh, the idea is not to be one. So the idea is that if you live in Madeira, you also have like really low tax. I think from all the options, Singapore, uh, Estonia, uh, we didn't see others, but like Denver, or whatever. Madeira was actually, I think, one of the best options in, t- in terms of um, in terms of taxes. But what we realized, and again, we are just trying to pull this information, and it's super hard. It's so hard to pull all of this information because you have like, I don't know, a lot of sources, but you don't know where you can trust. So what I did was I called like every time there was like an entity that I thought I could trust, I would call them. So I called. Uh, I, I went to the Madeira website. It's called Zona Franca da Madeira, it's called. Uh, 
and they have a website and they say like all these accountants work with us and I emailed all of them. I kid you not, all of them. And I told them, hey, uh, I need. I have a bunch of questions. Can you help me? And I just laid down all the questions. Like, hey, how much taxes do we have to pay? Um, they were saying that we need to like do an investment in Madeira. Like, how much would that need to be and everything? And then the main question is like, do we need to live in Madeira? And the answer was, yes, you need to, obviously, right? So if you are just, basing your company in Madeira, but you don't live there, then it's a fiscal paradise, right? Because then you're just defrauding the state. You're just like basically pretending that you live there so that you have all the benefits. But these ideas, the ideas of having like these benefits is that they want to repopulate these areas. They want people to live in Madeira. So we soon realized that the only option for us would be to not necessarily to live in Madeira, but to like go there really often. We would need to go maybe five, six times a year and then I thought, like, the whole idea of being, you know, our own bosses is to have freedom. Freedom is the most important thing we we want. And I think this is kind of uh, what every indie maker, at least from my interviews and from what I gather, like, all the indie makers, we want this. We want freedom. Like, in top of, on top of everything, freedom is the most important thing. So if we suddenly are bounded to go to Madeira, you know, five times a year, whatever... I know it doesn't seem that bad, but it's kind of, you know, getting away uh, in the middle of our freedom. So we didn't like that option. Uh, and again, like all of these people would come to us and say like, yeah, Madeira, go, go there. It's super easy. Everyone, and this is again, this was so frustrating because everyone sounded like, and, and they were saying that it was easy. But later what we realized that is that these people, they never actually created a company. So they, they just heard from someone else that, yeah, these options were viable and they would just give this option, I don't know, so that I, I believe that they wanted to be valuable, but they weren't. They were just like annoying and and somehow it was really frustrating because it took us through a lot of paths that like just was a waste of time or not the entire like waste of time, right? Because we, we still learned a lot about these things, but anyways. So yeah, Madeira was not the option. Then the last option we tried to investigate um, that was not Portugal was Estonia. Again, a lot of people told us Estonia is the way. Like a lot of digital nomads and you know freelancers that are based in Estonia. And Estonia has this nice program of uh, e-company, they call it. It's like a digital company. So you get an e-residence all through the website. You can just apply for e-residence. This won't give you any like residence, right? Like you cannot just go and live in Estonia. But I don't know. You can like base your company Estonia with this e-residency. And you can do everything online, which is really cool. So we were getting excited. And now I'll explain a little bit of the taxes so that you understand why we were excited. So if you create a company in Portugal, there are a couple of taxes that you have to pay. First of all, you will need to pay social security. So if you employ yourself, you will need to pay social security. And it's an absurd amount. Just for you to understand, it's 35%. Yeah, 35% goes to social security. And then you still have to pay your normal income tax. So with this option, if you would go through this option, we would pay, again, more than 60% taxes, which is absurd. The other option is that you are not an employee or you're necessarily not an employee of the company. So basically what happens is that you are kind of an employee, but you get minimal wage. You get a really low amount of you know salary so that you don't have to pay Social Security and your income tax are really, really low. 
And then the way you take the money out of the company is by dividends. But if you take dividends, you need to pay 28%. So 28% you need to pay. And on top of that, every year, once, once you reach the, the end of the year, and I believe this is like similar in multiple countries, uh, you need to pay taxes on the profit. Even if you don't take the profit out of the company, even if you reinvest, you need to pay taxes. Here in Portugal, it's called IRC, and it's around 20%. So this also compounded, so it starts with 17, whatever. It's around 20%. So let's sum up. So you have 20%, you know, of IRC, and then you have another 28% if you want to take the money out. So it's still like close to 50%. And then you still have the VAT, which is, I, to be honest, I don't even understand this fucking tax, but the idea is that if you sell something between the EU, you pay this extra, I think in Portugal, like 23%. Yeah, you are starting, I don't know, I'm already just getting worked up just by telling this to you, and if you are also an entrepreneur, you're also probably getting a bit upset. Yeah, it's a lot, a lot of money. Anyways, in Estonia, you don't have to pay IRC, which is really cool. So basically what happens is that you would just, you know, work and then you would just need to pay the dividends. And the dividends were, I think, 14, 14%. If you take um, regular dividends, it's 40%. So it's much lower. It's half of the 28%. So we were very excited. John and I were thinking, okay, this is it. This is amazing. Like we can just like set up everything online the whole process is super simple. Estonia is in the EU, so that's also really easy for us. And we are going to pay less. We finally found it. Like, we can trick the system and in a legal way. At least that's what we thought. But then the first problem arised, uh, which was double taxation. Yeah, when you're living in a country and your company is in another one, what can happen is that you get double tax. So you get to pay taxes in Estonia, and then you get to pay taxes in Portugal. But we could actually go around this problem because since both countries are in the European Union, they have treats. So treaties, I mean. So they have treats, yeah, they give you candy. No, they have treaties. So this means that if they, I don't know, they, they, they have treaties against this double taxation. So the way this would work, and this is funny, of course, we would not only pay the 14%, we would pay the maximum. So in between the taxes we have in Estonia and Portugal, we need to pay the maximum, which was 28%, and they, they would split. So let's say we would pay 14% in Estonia, 40% here in Portugal. It's not like this, but it's, you understand the gist, right? So you would uh, distribute the taxes between the two of them, but that's still okay, right? That would mean that we would only pay a maximum of 28%, and still we would have all the benefits of like all the digital process of Estonia. We even called again. That was the best way for us to, you know, get all the information was like calling people. And we called, there was also companies in Estonia that will like set up everything for you. And we call them and like we called three of them and we had meetings with them. And now you understand why this is taking so so long. Like we had so many meetings and so many questions. Like Jean and I would spend hours just discussing all the options and like speaking with GPT and everything. But yeah, we were excited about this one, and we were really convinced that we would go with Estonia. It seemed like a great opportunity. But then 
in the, I think it was like in a Reddit forum, someone was saying that that was illegal. Like we couldn't do this. Like we couldn't live in Portugal and have a company in Estonia. But again, everyone in Twitter was saying, no, I have one. It's fine. We decided to hire a lawyer. Yeah, we decided that would be the only way to fully understand if it was legal or not. Like we tried to to read all the laws and everything, but nothing was clear. So we decided to have a lawyer. Like, And the way, by the way, I don't know if you ever consulted a lawyer. Uh, it was really simple. I just went online and said like financial lawyer, whatever. And there's this nice service where you just pay 80 bucks. I mean, just quote unquote, but 80 bucks. And you have like a meeting with a lawyer and you can just like ask all the questions you want. So we had this meeting. The lawyer was really nice. And what basically what he told us was that, yes, this was not legal. So in Portugal, what they say is that where the, the company is being managed, that's where it counts. That's where you should pay taxes. What does it mean? That's a great question. What does it mean where the company is being managed? Basically, where the managers are. In this case, it was clear as day. You know, there are some other companies, you know, especially bigger companies, uh, where you know you have managers all around Europe, Europe, whatever, like the world, and it's it's a bit harder to understand where the big decisions are being made. But in this case, it's only the two of us, you and I, and we're both in Portugal. There's no way around it, and this wouldn't be legal. What are the consequences of this? The consequences would be that we would need to pay the taxes that we're not paying in Estonia. So this IRC I told you about, we would need to pay it, and we could actually pay it with retros like retrospective so it could go back to eight i think eight or six years so in six years from now they could go back and like analyze our company and say hey for the past six years you say that your company is estonia but you are both in portugal and you are the managers so now you owe us you know six years worth of irc and it could be that they would also put interest on top of that so yeah things just got serious because now we had like a huge decisions to make, which is like, do we risk it? Like what our lawyers told us. And by the way, it's really cool because when you go like and speak with an accountant, they want to go like by the book, right? They just like, Hey, by the way, it's all your responsibility, but we are not going to do anything that is against the law or is dodgy. The lawyer in the other hand is a bit different. The lawyer is there to like explain the law to you and say like, okay, if you do this, these are your options. If you do this, it's illegal, but we can like go around it or mitigate the risk by doing that. It's so funny. Anyways, the lawyer kind of told us that the risk wouldn't be super high because, uh, yeah, we could argue that it's an online company. Our customers are basically not in Portugal. And yeah, there was some wiggle room there. And hopefully we could, if that would like be a case and they would ask for the money, we could say that we already paid some taxes. But yeah, it was a bit dodgy. It was a bit of gray area. And by the way, something that I realized that like Texas, it's a bit of gray area everywhere. You always find a place where you'll be like, yeah, it can be legal. It cannot be legal. I don't know. At least in Portugal, it's like this. Anyways, we we decided, uh, we were really thinking about it. We are just thinking, okay, Estonia, is Estonia a great place? I mean, can we like stomach all of this, like having this risk? Because if you think about it, yeah, worst case scenario, we need to pay this money back. But in the meantime, we would own the money. Like we have it. We could like, I don't know, invest it or just put in like some, you know, some fund and get two, three percent out of that. So that would be cool. But I don't know. I was thinking and like, again, this was 
we didn't treat these decisions lightly. Jean and I were like thinking a lot about them. And once, uh, I, I don't know, I was thinking and I realized that having the interest, like the possibility of paying interest, that that, that could be really damaging because we didn't know how, many, how much interest we would need to pay. And as well, like the possibility of always having to like put some money on the side was not very practical for me because like Joe and I we're not getting yeah we're getting good salaries for Portugal but like if 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 you think about like in in the context of I don't know developers it's not that much like we're getting paid 60k but that's before taxes right so we would really need to be really strict and really disciplined to put all the money aside so what i realized that I wouldn't be able to do it. It's just not worth it. It's better to just find ways to pay, you know, less taxes in Portugal, but you know, making sure that everything is legal. Uh, otherwise, um, yeah, it, it's funny, and I will tell you how I came up with with this decision. So, uh, my partner and I were just uh, going on a tram here in Portugal. And we just ran, the tram was about to leave and we ran. And here in Portugal, there's something that's really annoying, which is like, you cannot buy a ticket inside of the tram without cash. You need cash, which is crazy. We didn't have cash. So we thought, okay, it's just three or four stops. Let's just risk it. We'll just wait. like Because I don't want to go and, you know, withdraw cash just to pay this and, and miss the train, right? So uh, then I, it got me thinking that the reason why it was so easy for me to make this decision and to just continue in the train and, and risk to have a fine is because I can afford the fine. Like, we can afford the fine. It's, fi it's fine. <laughs> nice wordplay there. Yeah, even if you go and have to pay, let's say, 100 bucks each. Yeah, in Portugal, the fines are really high. Uh, that's okay. I mean, of course, it's annoying, but it's okay. It won't uh, drag us down too much. And that's what I kind of was thinking. If we have to pay a fine as a company, can we stomach it? Like, do we have the money? And I realized that no. And that's really unfair. Like, you know, poor people, like people that don't have a lot of money, they cannot afford having fines. So they most likely will have to pay the tickets because they cannot afford having fines, even if that's only 60 bucks, because they don't have the money. And it's the same for companies, like big companies, you know, huge companies, huge corporations, they have their own lawyers and everything, they can afford the fines. So they can risk it to put their company in that, like my lawyer told me about like really crazy schemes. So they can afford to put their companies in whatever, the Seychelles and Estonia and everything, because if one day they need to pay, they'll just, you know, point their lawyers towards that country and say like, yeah, fix this. And if we have to pay the fine, we pay it. For us, we are unfortunately still not there. We don't have enough money so that we can afford the fine. So in the end, we decided, yes, let's go with Portugal. And that was a whole other story because creating a company in Portugal, I don't want to go too much in the details here because this is too niche. It's only about Portugal. But the whole bureaucracy and, and the whole system is so stupid and it's so slow that it's it was really frustrating. First thing you need to do and now I'll tell you the story about the name user quest, is that you need to register a name, right? And I know what you're thinking. Like, okay, you just go to a website and see if the name is like buying a domain. No, it's not. It's not. 
So yes, you go to a website and you try to register the, the, the web the name and they have like a little database where you can actually search for it. And they say if um, the degree of similarity is more than 80% to something that already exists, probably your name will be blocked. They won't accept it. So Joan and I were just like, I don't know, typing and we came up with some ideas like indie, indie works, indie tech, I don't know, something around indie because we're indie makers, right? And yeah, I think we decided Indie Tech. We, you, you need to pick three names, but the first one was Indie Tech and had no uh, similarity to anything. So I thought, okay, great, let's apply. And you pay, by the way, everything is paid. So you pay 70 bucks and you wait 11 days. Yes, 11 days until they accept or, or until they get back to you, 11 days. And we waited, like all the 11 days we waited and they said all of them blocked. Like they, we couldn't use those names because they were too similar. Like, how is this possible? Like we tried using their tool. They said, yeah, no, the tool doesn't work really, really well. Uh, so we were like, okay, really frustrated about this. And, and that's why then we came up with a more abstract name, you know, user quest, something that I don't know. Uh, the problem with indie text was because tech is a very common name. I don't know, something around that. So we decided to go with user quest. And again, we waited 11 days and still didn't work. <laughs> they, they said that they were like too busy and they have like too many requests. Wonder why they have so many requests, by the way. It's because their tool is shit and, and, and tells you that names that are possible that in reality are not possible. So people are basically, you know, always requesting new names. That's why there was like such a huge queue. So in the end, it took more than 11 days. So the whole process took more than a month. Just picking the name took more than a month. So you can imagine the whole frustration. Like, Jean and I, we're making it. We just want to, like, build products. And it's funny that this other side of the business, it's it's really important. It's also really annoying. Anyways, where was I? We finally got the name. And we tried to go to the website. Because when you get the name, you can, like, create your company online. So we tried to, like, set up everything. And there's, like, again, a bunch of stuff we don't understand. A bunch of agreements we need to sign, things that we didn't understand. Luckily, Jean's uh, sister is a lawyer, so she helped us a lot. And then we were about, uh, there was, by the way, the tools were all flawed and like they didn't work. We had to call the systems like many times and they were like, ah, I don't know, it just doesn't work, whatever. And anyway, in the end, we're about to, you know, submit. And then they're saying, yeah, there's a waiting line of like a month and a half. I'm like, no way. No way. After all this trouble, we still need to wait more than a month? No. So we decided to go through the third option. And the third option is that you need to go physically to the finance you know, uh, department and you need to like set up the company. The problem is that like everyone does the same. So Jean and I, and if you follow me on Twitter, you probably saw these photos. We woke up at like fucking 5 a.m. in the morning so that we would be the first in line so that we would make sure that we would get an appointment. So, you know, maybe this is something we would uh, find funny in a couple of years, but it's so frustrating. You know, um, in the end, we created the company. Yes, I don't know. To be honest, I didn't feel that great. <laughs> I, I, I should, but like, I don't know. All I could think was like, now we have to pay this crazy amount of taxes. We, there's so many things. Like now we have to pay the accountant. We need to pay software system so to do all the finances. Yeah. The next step, by the way, after creating the company uh, is to 
setting up a bank account, like a business bank account. This time, we tried to innovate a little bit. We went with Revolut. Uh, I don't know if you know, it's a huge uh, online bank. And uh, it's actually a bank. So it's it's not like another, you know, I think the other tools like Wise or so, they are not banks. Uh, but Revolut is a bank. So again, another like a bunch of meetings with uh, with Revolut. And yeah, we decided to go with them. Hopefully this will work. Uh, one thing, one drawback about Revolut is that their accounts are all in Lithuania. So the IBAN, as the, it's like from Lithuania. And we're afraid that they would not accept this in Portugal. Maybe we'll still have run uh, to that problem, but they are, they are anyway migrating. So soon we'll have like a Portuguese IBAN. And uh, I don't know, I, I feel good that I have this Revolut because at least we didn't go through the you know Portuguese banking system. We tried to innovate a little bit. And uh, yeah, we have a company. That's it. That that was the whole process. Uh, actually, let me tell you like the last thing, and also like why I think uh, this whole process changed the way the way I see business as well. So as I told you here in Portugal, you have this IRC tax, which is the tax you pay on your profit. So your goal as a company is to have as less profit as possible, which is crazy, right? Like. I don't know, my mindset as an indie maker was like, I need to make as much money as possible so that I can bank it, I can put it in my bank account, and I can invest it, I can, whatever, buy a house, uh, pay a salary, right? But as a company, a company is a different entity, by the way. A company is like a baby. It's like something that is, it's not you, it's not, it's not your co-founder. The money is not ours anymore. The money is from this company, right? And... Um, yeah, the goal is that when you pay salaries, when you pay, I don't know, to a freelancer, any expense that is like, you know, company related, let's say we travel, we do a bunch of stuff, that that's all stuff that in the end of the day will eat from your profits, right? So the less profit you have, the better, because in the end you don't pay uh, as much taxes. So what do you want to do, right? You want to find ways to take this money out of the company as an expense. So let's say that you are going to have lunch and that's, or I don't know, you come with a client to have lunch or something, then those are expenses. So there's ways where you can basically use this money and I don't know, you can use it to buy groceries and you say that it was an expense of the company or um, you're traveling. Let's say we are traveling now, uh, to, to Germany, and I'll tell you more about it in a different episode, but we are sponsoring a conference, really cool, PodFest. Anyways, I'll tell you more about it soon. But uh, yeah, that's paid by the company. So you are trying to like take the money out in a way that is not a salary so that you avoid paying the 28% of dividends plus the 21% of IRC. That's how it's set up. So in the end of the day, and to do like a, a brief summary, the way we set up our company is the following. Our company is set up in Portugal. Our company has two managers, both of us, João and I have 50%, and both of us have like total control. So we even did it in the way that like only one of us need to sign. And this is really helpful. So let's say we like signing a contract, I don't know, to with a new API provider. It doesn't need to be both of us. It can be just one. Um, and then we will pay each other the minimal wage so that we don't pay, you know, social security. We don't pay, or we pay really, really, really little social security and uh, an IRS. 
and and then in the end we try to take everything as you as you can uh, that covers our lifestyle with the expense of the company. So we try to to get this um, it's called like lunch fee or whatever so that we can use to buy groceries. We try to have health insurance uh, sponsored by the company, maybe gym. There's a bunch of things you can do. Another option is also uh, to have the company to pay part of the internet and the, the electricity bill of our houses because we work from home. So we try to cover as much as possible from our lifestyle uh, as an expense of the company. That plus this minimal wage, that's what we use to live you know, every month. And then every three months, we'll share the dividends. And then we'll have to pay, of course, the 28%, but we'll take all the rest of the money to our pockets. And that's how it's structured. Again, this is also like changing the way I see business because now when uh, I hire a freelancer, when we invest in, I don't know, advertisement, when we invest on, I don't know, creating branding, whatever, uh, it's a bit easier now to make these decisions and, and, and spend that money because uh, it's an expense. And we know that we are using this to grow the company and as in the same time, we will pay less taxes in the end of the year. And uh, it's, it makes sense because if we grow the company, our MRR will grow and eventually the valuation of the company will grow. And if we sell it one day, we'll sell it for more. So that's kind of the mind shift and the mindset shift that made that this whole process made is that the company is a different entity. The company is not myself or Joel. It's a different entity. And it makes sense that it has expenses so that it can grow. That's it. I have learned a lot in this whole process. And I, I think I have grown as well as an entrepreneur. I think this is part of the business. And uh, again, I think I've said this before. But you need to understand the system to escape the system. So, yeah, you just really need to get in, in depth to understand the deepness and the dark secrets of the tax systems of your country. Because, yeah, that's the only way you can fight it and somehow get some of that uh, money back. Yeah. So I don't know what are the biggest lessons for me from this whole process. I think, yeah, people won't tell you. They People will mostly only tell you what is necessary. So if you really want to understand something in depth around whatever, finances, taxes, uh, even if you go to a professional like a lawyer or accountants, you need to do your homework. You need to get a bunch of questions ready. Uh, so that's something that we have learned. I don't know, maybe you just find more competent uh, accountants, but for us, uh, yeah, they won't just explain everything to you. You just need to like make sure you understand it and ask all the questions you want and need uh, so that you fully understand what's going on. And yeah, I think going to a lawyer was really a great decision, even if you have to pay whatever, 100 bucks for an hour, it's worth it. It's definitely worth it because these are people that are trained, people with experience that have many clients like yourself and they will give you great, great tips. And again, um, I don't know, you'll find people on Twitter, blog posts, Reddit, whatever, saying really conflicting information. And once you go to a lawyer, at least you know this is 
coming from one that actually understands the law and has read it and, and can really explain it to you. And yeah, ChatGPT for the win. That's my last advice. Just go to ChatGPT and of course, don't take it everything as granted, but it can really, really help. Like we use GPT to also make the calculations and, and to understand how much money we, we would make in the end of the, the end of the day. Uh, and we compared, we use it to compare like Estonia, Portugal, like multiple scenarios in Portugal, Madeira, and everything I told you. Yeah, we're always uh, testing things out with GPT. And that's it. That's basically everything I wanted to tell you. Uh, if you have any questions about taxes, uh, if I can help, I will try. I will try my best. So just uh, shoot me a message at WBTiago on Twitter. And if you like this kind of content and want me to continue even when I'm tired to come here and speak with you about what really, uh, what's really like right, to bootstrap a company and being an e-maker and all in the all aspects of it, uh, you can support me by becoming a member of our community, uh, the WB community. And it's only 10 bucks per month and you'll meet other makers like yourself. You'll feel less lonely and you'll be supporting this podcast. This was another wannabe entrepreneur See you next time.